0: We turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Acts again. We turn to Acts, and we're in chapter 2. So Acts chapter 2, beginning of verse 41. So continuing from last week with Peter's sermon to the the big crowds in Jerusalem. He concluded the message, and verse 41 says, So those who received his word were baptised. And there were added that day, about 3,000 souls. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe, or fear, came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. <clears throat> well, <then. clears throat> when, you, uh, when you think about the, the life of the church, what the church looks like, and if you compare the church of the New Testament to the early church, and then look at the medieval church, and then the, maybe the church of the Reformation, and the church of the modern day, you will see, of course, that there are differences in practices, differences in habits. Hopefully, there will be something, there will be some things that are common to the age, to the church, throughout all the ages. There will be things in common, the right things, hopefully. And we need to have a discernment to know uh, which uh, are the right things to do. We have here today a list given to us uh, by, well, it, is, it, is it Peter? Is it uh, Luke? Is it God? Sort of all, all of them. So Luke is writing down uh, a an account of Peter's speech. But we are, as a church, The church down the ages has been convinced that Luke wrote under the influence of God so much that it carried authority, real authority. And this is why the book of Acts is in this collection of books that we have, which we call the Bible. And so uh, we have uh, a sort of list. We have a list given by Peter, uh, by Luke really, Uh, But um, Peter and the apostles were the ones who uh, sort of, uh, if you like, gave him the material for this. And so, what are we to make with this list of things that the church did? Well, I said to you last time, I think, that we need to be cautious with lists in the Bible. We shouldn't see a list of good behaviours or bad behaviours or anything and assume that it is an exhaustive list, that that we can just take that out of context and we can say that defines this thing. We have to look at all the scriptures together and tie them up. I think last time I used the example of the word repentance is, is needed for salvation. I said to you somewhere else it says it's faith. somewhere else it says it's repentance and faith that's why we need to have a a view of the whole bible together so we get a proper view so from the details of this of this here today which gives us the sort of a description of how the church functioned um we we need to use that discernment you know does does any of this apply to us Are, are we to copy any of this Are we to dismiss any of it as irrelevant for us today? Give you some examples. Um, uh, The the clothes they wore, right? So uh, I have no desire to dress like Jesus of Nazareth, okay? I have no desire like you to uh, speak their language as if we're meant to copy that. We're not meant to try and recreate their economy and live according to those standards. And I'm sure the food was nice, but I probably wouldn't really like the food that much. You know, they didn't have KFC in days, So you see what I mean? So you're thinking, well, okay, that, that's obvious. There are, there are things about the church that we don't copy. Okay, so perhaps I've partly made the point in terms of other things that were mentioned, actually mentioned here, uh, miracles is a good one. Miracles. I don't believe that I am to attempt to recreate miracles. If God ever gives me that ability, I will, hopefully I will use it. But I don't think that's going to happen. Don't think that is meant to happen. And that is something that was, I don't believe, to be continued. But the usefulness of miracles here. It is clear. I said to you that this was a transition period from the old to the new. I keep saying this. Well, those miracles and signs and wonders that would have been attractive to the Jews because that would remind them of those great glory days of the Exodus, which they talk about all the time. Those great wonders performed by God. The Jews would be attracted to to that sort of language, those, those fresh miracles now. God was still at work, except they had to come to terms with the fact that these miracles were endorsing Jesus of Nazareth as the Messiah, the Christ, and also Lord. They were getting taken, if you like, from the old to the new. So, the miracles at their place, but not, I believe, to be continued forever. So what I'd like to do in the short time we have is to see if we can find out what in here we are meant to copy, what we are meant to practice today, the things that were meant to be permanent. So I've... Um, taken the things that was, was said here, recorded for us, and I've categorized them. I've, I've made five categories of behaviors that <clears throat> I think define the life of the church then and hopefully now. And the, the first two you might think are formal, more formal behaviors and the others less so. Now, that might be clearer when I when I go on, but I'm going to start with teaching, which is in fact the first one that is mentioned there. Teaching. So teaching had always been important to you know that society, that religious society of Jews. Teaching was important. Now remember, the apostles didn't have a New Testament. They couldn't say turn up and say. Turn with me to 1st Timothy. 1st Timothy did not exist. Neither did anything else in the New Testament. They had the Old Testament scriptures, the law. And so the teaching was from there. Paul's letters, well, where was Paul? Paul was still a Jew at this point. Paul was still at home thinking of ways to kill Christians at this point. So the teaching went on, but... Again, there's something new in it. They're teaching the Old Testament, but the saying that the Old Testament points to this man again, this Jesus of Nazareth, it's all pointing to him. So it was Old Testament teaching, but with new revelation mixed into it. (coughs) So again, you had an element of like continuity, because there was recognition that the old testament was still scriptures from god but you had this new way also that it was leading to it the way of teaching there could be translated well is translated in other bibles like the king james bible as uh, doctrine a uh, doctrine and that way presumably is uh, Uh, That word may have been replaced because it sounds a bit dry doctrine, it doesn't sound very, yeah, dry, (laughs) some people are put off by, by the word, but of course doctrine just means those things we believe, so if you believe Jesus died on the cross, that is doctrine, if you believe Jesus loves you, that is doctrine. Okay, and obviously we can go further with doctrine, but doctrine, it's important. No wonder Luther, Martin Luther, said doctrine is heaven. Doctrine is heaven. He loved it. He loved learning more about God. The, in terms of uh, who is teaching, well, who is teaching, well, We have a description of elders in the scriptures for us. We have a description of the qualifications for elders. And one of them is that they must be able to teach. So not everyone is an elder. So each congregation, if it is able, should find one or two or more elders and they must be able to teach. And that obviously suggests that they will be required to teach at some point. They will be called upon to teach, so they need to be ready and able to do that. So it seems as if teaching was shared by this small group of people God had raised up. But from the earliest times, from even within the New Testament itself, the congregations were developing the habit of having one of those elders doing the primary uh, teaching and that person would have um, a sort of teaching oversight so, that's where we get the idea of pastors. It's, uh, it's if that's been a, a very early practice. So you have a pastor, and elders too, perhaps. It says also in uh, Colossians, if you have a look in Colossians in chapter three. Uh, Colossians in chapter three and verse uh, 16. <clears throat> Colossians three sixteen says to the this is to the the congregation now let the word of Christ let the word of Christ dwell in you richly teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom singing psalms and hymns. And spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to god so the congregation is being told uh, that they should be involved in some type of teaching so you might remember that i uh, spoke about evangelism and i said we may have evangelists and we have, may have people who uh, we we pray for, that God would raise up to go out into the harvest, you know, and lead people to Christ. So there are definitely people who God gives unusual gifts to, but also the scriptures say that everyone is an evangelist in a sense, maybe to a lesser degree, but everyone is meant to spend their lives looking for opportunities to give an account for the hope that is in them. And so in the same way yes we have appointed teachers but in another way we are all teachers when the word of god comes and dwells in your heart and you have confidence that you understand it you can then use that and speak to someone else and teach them or encourage them and admonish them and you are involved in teaching and uh, in fact, it says that one of the methods of teaching is singing the psalms. Singing the psalms. We, uh, we teach each other God's word that way. The point about the teaching, I suppose, the big, big point about this teaching is that it's all about Jesus Christ. It's all about Jesus Christ. So, I, you know, I've spoken to you about a whole lot of different things. And I may not mention <coughs> Jesus Christ in every sentence, but I expect by now you're getting the impression that we're to have Christ in the forefront of our minds so that when we hear something from the pulpit or when we read something, we're thinking about how it refers to Jesus. That should be our habit because that's where it all leads. Everything, everything that, that I say in some way has an arrow pointing to Jesus Christ and the cross eventually. And that's why Paul said, he said, I, I determined not to know anything when I was among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. So we talk about lots of things, but it leads to Christ. And another, another sort of uh, category of activity is praying. Praying now we know how important prayer is We're to pray we're to pray individually at home we're to pray maybe with our families we pray alongside the brethren perhaps in certain circumstances um, we'll pray as a, as, a, as a body and so on and prayer is obviously important and so I, I did say to you that these first two were more formal, so in the teaching we are uh, listening to God through His Word, and in the praying we are reacting to God's Word in prayer. And so again, there's that two-way communication. And in fact, it mentions it mentions in the text, doesn't it? The temple. It says attending the temple. Attending the temple. It may mean every day, it may mean as often as possible, but it's irrelevant. They frequently used the, the temple. And so they could have put their foot down and said, we are not compromising with that, effectively that, now a pagan structure almost. That they could have said, we're not compromising, we're not setting foot in that place. Maybe some did, but the apostles and their convents didn't. They said, No, we're going to we're going to make this small compromise and we're going to get amongst all the Jews. We're going to show them that we're not a disrespectful people. We acknowledge that this temple was raised up according to the direction of God. This temple has been used mightily. Jesus Himself made use of it. And so the apostles say, Well, what better place to come together and pray than the temple? There's no church buildings. Maybe the living room wasn't big enough. But certainly there was an element of this. uh, Going in the temple and just being there among the people. And praying and letting them hear the prayers. How come all their prayers are in the name of Christ? Why are they all about this dead man from Nazareth? There was an element of reaching out to the people there. This is someone coming in or all these words uh, in the early church a man called ignatius uh, not the not the renowned papist later on ignatius from the early church uh, after the apostles were all dead the churches were still in existence the church at rome was still there the ephesian church was still there and of course the larger church would write letters they would continue to write letters Okay, maybe not inspired, but certainly uh, encouraging and for the most part biblical. <laughs> and so Ignatius wrote to the Ephesians and uh, the church at Ephesus and said, uh, He said to them, Seek then to come together more frequently to give thanks and glory to God. For when you gather together frequently, the powers of Satan are destroyed and his mischief is brought to nothing by the concord, by the agreement of your faith. He says, come together more frequently than you do because when you meet and you praise God and you pray, you're causing untold damage to the kingdom of Satan. You, things change, you know. Uh, you might say that as a result of us meeting here today and praying to God, and asking him to do things that we are causing damage to the kingdom of Satan. It mentions praise in the text as well. Praise now, uh, praise is found in prayer. Obviously, when we pray to God, we praise him. That's part of it. Uh, but also, again, it was through uh, the Psalms, to the, the singing of these spiritual uh, songs that they would praise God. So we have teaching and we have praying. You know that the very core of the activity, the church. But there's more to it than that. There is more to it than that. There is also mention of things like getting together, just cooperating, participating, fellowship. Fellowship is the word used here. What does it mean? It means to, what I said, it means to meet together, to be involved, to uh, cooperate with one another. It says there, it uses the word together. Together. So, together means in the same room. It can mean in the same, on the same Zoom call, but that's not quite as good, not by a long way. It really means in each other's presence. And the, uh, there's a strong tradition, can't speak about other parts of the world, there's a strong tradition in the modern Western church for um, Sunday worshippers. And there, are, there, are, there have been many, many, untold millions of believers who have got into a habit of leading up to a Sunday. They were saying, We better get ready, it's time for a church. And so they'll Dress how they think is appropriate, and they'll make the way to this to their meeting place, and they'll make sure all the arguments have stopped before they get out the car or before they walk in the door, and maybe smile, and then they'll sit, and they will uh, listen to a sermon, and they will sing some familiar songs, and then they will go home. Then they'll get on with their lives. Then they have a full week then before they have to think again about oh, it's it's church time again. And that is the the Sunday morning worshipper. And really that habit is strong in in our religious, in our Christian culture, if you like, it is strong. But it is almost the exact opposite of what the apostles did and what I think is the right thing to do. They present themselves here like a family like a family, not some like members of a a society or a golf club, a family of sorts. And when when a a body of God's people acts like a family, then effectively they they create, not not, not the building, but the, the community of the believers is a little patch of that small territory of the kingdom of God on this earth that's what they create that's what we create a small patch of the kingdom of God and if we are doing that in sincerity the world will notice the world will notice something different the people out there have seen people go to church that's nothing they've seen that their whole lives Oh, I mean, it must be Sunday. Uh, They're coming to church again. But do we not want them to see, instead, a family, an actual community, seen by people, having an impression of them? I I just, um, this happens a lot, but there are a number of things in my life right now which have come together at the same time, about the same theme. I, you know, I picked a book off the shelf a week ago, a week and a half ago, and didn't know it was about this. And I didn't know I was going to be up to this, this bit. And, and then I've had conversations with people, and it's all saying the same thing, which is that we need to think about our Christian community somehow. What, what can we do? In this book anyway, there was an example. I thought it was an interesting example. Uh, three Christians decided they wanted to immerse themselves in the community so they, they, these these couples or families, they decided they would buy houses next door to each other on on a big housing estate so imagine imagine going to Croxteth Park estate and, you know three people buying houses next door to each other to to reach into that community and I'll say that that's very Mm -hmm. rare because I imagine there'd be far, far more uh, couples. Well, maybe especially women who would say, "I, I don't, I don't want to live there. I want to live, I want to live somewhere there. that's got, it's by the by the coast. It's got a bigger garage." So this is sacrificial. This is moving house for the benefits of your, your service. to Christ, thats a massive thing. But they did it, and they would. You might not like this, but they were in each other's houses. They were like family. And families go in each other's houses. They eat together. They share power tools. They, you know, they're together for like a, just one giant family spread out between these houses. And the people noticed. The people noticed these these houses there, They're always on the front lawn at the barbecue, you know, and just enjoying each other's company. And it was noticed. There was some incident. I can't remember what it was now. It was uh, maybe a uh, maybe there was. Um, something like a house fire or something over, over the road and all the people were in the streets congregating because of this you know making sure everything was all right with the family and they all congregated around the homes of the christians they sort of become the unofficial leaders in the community because they, they, they just seem to have something they seem to have it together and that created great opportunities for being friends to these people and to obviously then take all the questions about what is it that drives you to lead like this family? Well, it's, let me tell you about Jesus Christ. So there is that cooperation that we see uh, in this. In this, and I believe it's to be copied. And, and another related, of, another related um, uh, habit to that is sharing. Now I have touched on that a minute ago, but. It says here quite specifically that d- d- these people shared everything, and it might sound a bit odd, suspicious, uh, communist, maybe. But it says that they, uh, it was in fact it's reiterated later on in Acts chapter four. If you read Acts chapter, in fact, it's on the opening page. Why not turn to it? Acts four and verse thirty-two. <coughs> Excuse me, it uh, yet turn on the page. Acts 4 and 32 says, <clears throat> Now, the full number of those who believe were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things that, that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. Now, <clears throat> I thought I should mention that, say, because. You know, we need to understand that as a general statement of addressing an issue at time. So to what extent do we we to copy this? Well, I've said it's not communism, first of all. Communism is enforced. Taking people's money and then distributing it evenly. That's the idea anyway. Uh, but that's this wasn't forced, this was people doing this voluntarily, gladly. They were selling the things and giving the money to poor people gladly. And uh, well, we learned later on in Acts that in fact if they had property and money, and um, then it was theirs. It was theirs to keep. They, they, they could keep it. It wouldn't be a sin. You know, they can just keep it or maybe just give a small amount to the work of the church. That was made clear later on with Ananias and Sapphira. They could have kept that, but they didn't. Because they were just captivated by this idea that they were a large family and were to look out for each other. They didn't sell all the houses. They didn't make themselves homeless. They didn't do things that were stupid. They didn't, you know, they didn't make themselves homeless. But certainly those who had an excess of wealth, decided to share. How does that affect us? I mean, as far as I know, no one in this room, no one in the church in the whole of Liverpool or elsewhere in this country is right now starving to death on the streets. That That's just that's not a thing anymore, right? So, um, I have a pressure washer at home, and for the moment i'm going to keep it now if you, if you need it well it's just as much yours you can borrow it and i probably like it back because i need it again but you can borrow it again it's, it's sort of yours as well and what's yours is mine by the way so um if you need a car uh, derek has a mercedes, <laughs> and derek as mercedes and he will lend that to you any day of the week you feel so so the thing is, what this does is, a, is a, it's a couple of things really. What this challenges us with is it's, it's not something to be copied, it's but it does challenge people who are indifferent. People in the church who want to you know just build up wealth and they don't really care about people who are in need. It, it may it may be in our congregation, you know, it may be that you know someone um maybe. Uh, can't pay the mortgage or something because something terrible has happened. That's where the church comes in the, the church comes in and pays the mortgage that month, or the next month, or the next month. Helps them out And if we've got no money, if, if, if Christine says there's no money left in the bank, then I'll sell me pressure washer Okay, so we need to be creative in how we uh, help people And uh, I said there was two things to learn here. Um, Well, it it really, it's a challenge to people who are not very generous, but it also, yeah, it prompts us to think, always think about how we can uh, help others if the need arises. They share things. The last thing I would mention is eating together. Eating together. They ate together, and what a wonderful thing it is to eat together. Maybe it's just because I like food so much, maybe, but to me, there's nothing like it. Nothing quite like sharing food together. Now, you can go hill walking together, and that's wonderful. And you can do other things together, and it builds a sense of, you know, know, bond, if you like. But to me, there's nothing quite like each sharing a meal together. And the Christians did this, and they would go to different people's houses. Everyone would open up the houses, and they would they would share and uh, you know uh, feed feed each other, and that's wonderful. What happened also was that Jesus encouraged them to, to start to um, include in that meal breaking of bread like, like we do here. So that would be included. So they would be there to eat because they were hungry, but they would also include, they would break out and have this ritual. He broke bread, gave thanks, and said to them, You know, this is the Lord's body. He would share the cup, this is the Lord's blood. And so <laughs> it was included. And eventually, eventually, that, that small ritual would start to be celebrated by itself. And Interestingly, it was still referred to as the breaking of bread. So in the Bible, when you see this breaking of bread together, just bear in mind, it could be one of two things. It could be a meal, it could be the ritual, it could be maybe a mixture. And so, uh, what what we draw from this is that we we both uh, eat together, and we also continue this breaking of bread. It's clearly something that was meant to be continued for the for the future of the church. And so, so um, I said to you the first two of those five, which were teaching and praying. I said to you that they were more like formal things. And. I say that because later on in Acts we found that the apostles were you know they were, they were doing the, they were doing the sort of the teaching and putting the prayer in except they were also you know painting the fence and fixing the roof and all these other things and it got too much and that's why the apostles said, look we can't do everything we're supposed to devote ourselves to the word and pray. So please find someone else, and let them do the job, the practical run around stuff. So when we come here on a Sunday morning, people are rushing around doing this and that and the other, Uh, that's great, it means I I don't have to. But that's the idea, we share the burden of the the, the, the work. Uh, But it's interesting, isn't it? The apostles said, we want to devote ourselves to the word and to prayer. And that corresponds with teaching, and praying that we see here and so does that does that, that that might be the call but then even with that and with a proper attitude of fear as it says here and praise it says here and devotion it says in the first in verse 42 devotion and thankfulness it says thankfulness as well but even if we do those things with with that right attitude There's still this element of community. We can't ignore that. We need to recognize that the families we have on earth, the biological connections we have on earth, will be brought to an end. They will be brought to an end. And if you have family members who are saved, then praise God for that. But, essentially, essentially we will be uh, forever with our new family and let me just make this important point this eternal family of god's people that you are now part of it, it's already started it's started already we're, we're, we're doing it now this is the family now now there are things to happen i'm going to fall off uh, life and, and die and i'll be resurrected and then I'll find that there's not just new roads but a whole load of other people as well. And, and they're they're my family. But right now, this this is your family. This is the family of God. So we need to start, uh, you know, acting like this and fostering those relationships between ourselves, with family. The <clears throat> didn't mention it in the passage, but. We know that alongside that activity there was evangelism, there was direct evangelism, going out and telling people about Christ Jesus and the cross. There was that. But it wasn't only that. It was the it was the, the life of the church seen by men that caused that were that brought about these conversions. We have to make sure that we're not simply speaking about Jesus, but we look like the family of Jesus. Our whole lifestyles, and especially how we interact with each other, and how the people around here see us. That's important, that's part of our witness. So for our own situation, what can I say really except that uh, if you, if maybe this is familiar to you and you think, well, that's already what I'm doing, then, that, then that's brilliant. And if this is slightly unusual to you, then I offer this to you as something to think about. Think about in the year ahead, what changes might we need to make to just increase our fellowship, increase the family principle so that the life of this church it might be that of the one that jesus left for us amen, amen.